We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you uh, did you stay up and watch the whole draft while you were doing your notes? You never dozed off at any point, by the way? Oh, no. It's... It's pretty easy for me to to do the whole draft bunker thing at this point. So me me and John are, are kind of um you know we're used to working in those minds. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's like my my wife said to me, and you know she's she's a fan of football, but she doesn't like fully grasp the idea of like why the draft is so fun yet. Like she gets right. it. Kind of, and I said, I go. She goes, "This three hours of this." I said, "Well, imagine staying up for the Academy Awards. It's the same thing. It's three hours of nonsense, you know." But yeah, you, but and, you get, uh, you it get used that to re- be like fifteen or whatever. Right, right. And, but I'm saying you get that reveal. Like when you're, yeah, yeah, when you're yeah. watching the Academy Awards, you get the reveal of you know which you know whatever movie of this so it's, it's kind of like it's like oscars or whatever where you also learn what movies they're going to be acting in in the future <laughs> right and it also it reshapes it reshapes how we think about some players and specifically you know and for this episode and we're going to talk about a bunch of things today but i i want to focus on who whose value got tanked and by tanked that doesn't necessarily mean they're valueless it just means that everyone that drafted you know best ball drafts and all of a sudden would never take that same player in that same range again or if there's some residual effects that haven't even happened yet so that's what we're going to talk about today well i guess first and foremost just uh looking at the whole draft board who do you think had the worst pick in the whole draft from a value perspective Huh. I guess I'd have to say the Steelers with Kenny Pickett uh, at 20th overall. Not that not that Pickett at 20 is something we would have found so offensive, you know, a month ago or two, especially. But if he's the first quarterback taken and he's the only quarterback taken in the first round, the team taking him made a mistake. They got they played themselves basically because there's no way anyone else was going to bid on Pickett if Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, etc., are not valued because Pickett if it wasn't for COVID would be on a practice squad right now, or would be playing in the CFL because he wouldn't have had that fifth year. He would have had just four bad years. And that's all before you get into the, the question of the eight and a half inch hands, which already indicated some fumbling problems in the past at Pittsburgh. So uh, keeping him in the AFC, keeping him up North, keeping him, uh, you know, playing in November and December in, in places in the Northern climates, that's not going to help the ball security issue any. So I know why they made the pick. I know it's, it's kind of, they almost, probably felt pressured uh ownership might have felt the need to get involved because there's, there's this hometown hero they need a quarterback they'd be crazy right to pass on him especially when everyone was projecting him in the top 10 not even a couple weeks ago but uh with the market turning out to just be 
wrong as we as we previously thought of it. I mean, uh, there was no reason to think Pickett was worth that twentieth pick. Like at the very least, like they they should have just traded back and taken some other quarterback if if he hadn't fallen back to that next pick. Uh, because whoever gets Willis and Ritter is getting a better player at a cheaper price. What? Who was your your most? Uh, let's say like your best comp for Pickett. Like in when you did your rankings and your mocks. My, my best landing spot for him? No, your comp. Who was your player comp? Oh, um, and if he if he has absolutely everything go right, he might be Jeff Garcia. Maybe that's not bad. Jeff Garcia it would was be totally great. I just yeah, I think that's like a 99th percentile outcome. And then when when you get down to like 75. You're in a territory of like, I don't even know what like uh, know, some some kind of Stefan Lafour's kind of thing. I don't know. It's it's just it's not. There's no good precedent for uh, a quarterback starting three plus years in college, playing for, doing badly in all of them, then becoming good in a fifth year that only existed because of a you know a plague basically. So yeah, he's. He's um he's got certain things going for him. He's a good athlete. He can definitely run around. That that's not a question with him at all. And he can make good throws. That's that's actually not a question either. But the processing was never really there. I uh, got there at the end, I guess. But even in even in this this uh, fifth senior year that he had, where he did so well, you know, putting up Heisman numbers, all of a sudden he still had sort of more like that. I don't know, Manziel almost like style of quarterbacking where it doesn't stay on script as much as you'd like. And it's, it's these scramble situations where in the NFL, it probably won't work out as well. It's probably going to turn out more like those first four years at Pittsburgh did uh, playing that fifth year when you already know all the answers to the test. And they had, they had a pretty good supporting cast at that point too. Like this, this one Pittsburgh receiver is going to be a high pick. Um, that's all just as easy as it gets for, for a college quarterback to have that much experience and then have a player that good. Like if he had played any worse, it, it, it would have just been embarrassing, you know? So um, I think he, he can make some plays and he'll, he'll make some plays, but you know, when you look at someone like Zach Wilson and the way his rookie year went, um, he's, he's kind of aesthetically similar to Pickett, but just much better in every respect, you know, production, uh, physical traits. There, there was so much more going for Zach Wilson and he struggled a lot as a rookie. Now maybe Pickett, uh, being much older. He's going to be 25, I think, this summer. 20, he'll be 24 in June, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 24 this this the summer then. So he, he's a lot older than, than Wilson was stepping onto the field last year. Maybe maybe he won't have quite as many growing pains, but he also doesn't have as much growth potential. So if Pickett does get out there and he struggles, I just I think it's over right there because he's not going to get much better. But for – okay, now let's shift our mindset for a second to dynasty rookie drafts, right? Yeah. I still think that Kenny Pickett, though I haven't found one person to agree with me, and I don't expect you would either, is that in super flex rookie drafts, he's still worth consideration as the first overall pick, not because Brees Hall in a good landing spot wouldn't deserve it either, but let's just say Brees Hall lands in a uh, a landing spot that we don't love, okay? Uh, you know, Jets, I, you could debate that, but let's just say it's in Washington, just just for a minute, let's just say it's not the best landing spot. Yeah, pick. There's nothing more insulated in fantasy football and in real football than a first round quarterback. Now, of course, there's always like the Dwayne Haskins. They give up on somebody quick. The Josh Rosen that that does happen, but usually, even if a player doesn't play well for real football. Their fantasy football stats, if a quarterback, are usually decent, and you get at least three years for the most part. And I'll use Daniel Jones as the example. So is he still worthy of a dynasty fantasy football top one, top two rookie pick? 
Well, it's definitely you know justifiable. I I probably wouldn't make the pick myself, but I, I wouldn't say that it's that it's wrong to do it or anything. And especially because, as much as we would like to just pick every player in the order that we personally think they're good, we have to more realistically look at the fantasy market for each player. And and you can pick, uh, you can select Kenny Pickett without even believing in him one bit. You can just take him because you just think like, hey, if he and you would be correct to think if he has so much as a good preseason game, his value will go, his market reception will just be in Superflex anyway, extremely high. And you can, if you really want to, if, if, if you can plan haul along sort of to just take picket and then move him later for a haul, you know, sell high, something like that. And like you said, there's, there's also a chance that he starts at least a couple of years, in which case Superflex, a quarterback who plays at all is, is going to be inherently uh, coveted especially if they can run a little which Pickett can so it's it's a uh, it's not something I would do but yeah I, I don't think it would be reasonable for someone to say it's like crazy to do that yeah and that and again like you said he runs a little bit he's he's attacked he can good. run pretty good he, he he might be like a 500 yard runner in the NFL maybe even a little more right like that like that tactical scrambler type right like the Aaron Rodgers like not proactively running but when the rush comes yeah, he's, he's probably there. a better athlete than Rodgers so he can probably get away with a bit more yet and he might have to like I, I think Pickett will have to run quite a bit if only because I expect him to not be able to make certain throws not see certain uh open receivers that he should and in those cases he might run for six yards and it, it might not be a first down but you know that happens four times a game and it starts to add up over a season yeah, and again, you, you made the comp to Jeff Garcia on the high end. I would say now just a fantasy comp, I would say that Pickett probably has a chance to have Ryan Tannehill-type seasons where for a four- or five-game stretch, he's QB 8 or 9, and then you know he falls back down to QB 16. So I, I think that's in Superflex leagues, that that's certainly valuable. And I think the market's going to agree with you. He's not going to be pick one, pick two. He might end up being pick four. You're going to have somebody that, that loves a certain wide receiver – you know, pick your yeah, flavor a few here. Of them probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd say loser number one is you said Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to say for fantasy, it's Mitch Trubisky. Because if you were taking oh, Mitch yeah. Trubisky <laughs> in your best ball drafts, right, and in your dynasty leagues, hoping that you'd have a, a starter, that's in serious jeopardy. I mean, you know, if, if somebody asked me this morning, they said, How many games do you think uh, Kenny Pickett's going to start this year? I would say the minute that Pittsburgh goes two and three or one and three, that. I mean, you know what happens in these stadiums. It's the it, it's hard to ignore the fans. And Mike Tomlin made his pick. You saw the video. He was so happy to call Kenny Pickett. So Mitch Trubisky is going to – the minute he loses, his record goes under 500. If that's 0-1, 1-2, he's in jeopardy of losing. So that's our, our yeah. first loser. Trubisky might just start zero games too. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not a Pickett fan, but Trubisky has already shown a certain – level of limitation in the NFL. And uh, I definitely think Trubisky was a much better prospect coming out of North Carolina than Pickett is out of Pittsburgh, but he definitely isn't very good in the NFL, you know? So even though, even though we, we might've thought he would be a better quarterback than Pickett uh, that, that we have to let go of and kind of give Pickett the benefit of the doubt since he at least hasn't proven for sure that he's not very good. Um, At the very least, I think, I think Pickett's got to be a, you know, more accurate passer than Trubisky. I, like, I don't want to say it's a strength exactly, and I don't trust the processing at all with Pickett, but it's not as if Trubisky has anything going for him there either. So uh, Trubisky's a better probably runner, especially in the sense that he can he can run between the tackles because he's a little sturdier built than Pickett. But I don't actually know what he does better than Pickett otherwise, especially as a passer. 
So we went. I went to sleep around midnight last night. That was about a half hour after the draft was over. I woke up and I've already had about seven to ten questions on the RotoWire message boards. Which wide receiver? Because you do the dynasty rankings for single QB, I do them for Superflex. So this is why I couldn't wait to get you here. Everyone's already asking me which wide receiver is going to be your wide receiver one for fantasy football. You go first, Mario. And, and by the way, it's, you're not um, you're not bound to this even tomorrow. Like you, this is if you were putting posting your rankings today on Friday, April 29th, Who's going to be your wide receiver one for fantasy? So I think Drake London is, is probably my pick there, but Traylon Burks just because of the AJ Brown trade and, and being so clearly the the direct replacement they have in mind for AJ Brown, this you know crucial role in the offense that they just they cannot redesign it and they can't find anyone else to do things like that. So if Burks can't do it, no one's doing it. And that's possible. Burks could just struggle as a rookie and maybe it doesn't go anywhere. But if the Titans go anywhere at all, so is Burks. There's just, there's just no other possibility that that's, that's just the only way they 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 can move the ball through the air. So uh, Burks is not as good in my opinion as, as London or Chris Olave with the saints, who I also like a lot. Uh, Olave would be close to these first two as well, because um, I'm, I'm expecting him to just push aside Callaway. Uh, I'm expecting him to uh, run in a different part of the field than Michael Thomas. So I don't think Thomas is exactly an obstacle. It's like a is going to be running in a different part of the field They're uh, They're not competing for the same targets. So I think Olave is, is up for the task. I think he's a Tory Holt kind of player. I, I know that's a high evaluation, but that's just how high I am on him uh, with London though. I, I lean a little bit toward him Uh even from those other two, Burks and Olave, just because I, I think there was always a pretty good case that London was the best receiver in the draft anyway. And as much as the Titans are clearly dependent on Burks, there's there's something similar there with London and, and the Falcons because their they're other receivers are just so bad that London could go into this year totally overmatched. Like he, maybe the spotlight as a rookie, a 21-year-old rookie, uh, will be too, it could be too bright for him. And even if it is, he's going to put up fantasy numbers this year, at least in PPR, because th- there's Olamide Zacchaeus and uh, Auden Tate. Tate and Frank Darby. Like, it's, it's just not a question. Drake London will run ahead of those guys no matter how bad he is. And I happen to think London could be pretty good right away. Okay, so here's the the other question for you. Now, just think about this in relative. We don't think Kyle Pitts is a bad player. We think he's an elite prospect. Everybody does. He's going in the first round of Superflex Leagues as a tight end. But – is Kyle Pitts a small loser here because of the addition of London? Uh, where is uh, where do you think that Kyle – I mean, Kyle Pitts was probably set up for double-digit targets off the bus this year. 10, 11, 12 targets, no matter what. Marcus Mariota, uh, as the quarterback, he's going to lean on the big man. But now with London there, does this have an, an adverse effect or does this help complement the passing game? I don't think it changes much – might not change anything for Pitts. If it does change anything, I would actually sooner say it helps just because uh, not, not so much to take pressure off of Pitts. That would be nice. I just don't think it's on the table. It's like even with London, there as a defense, you're, you're looking at Pitts every play and you're like, Oh my God, I'm so afraid of him. We can't let that guy get open on us. So you're always going to look at Pitts first, no matter, you know, who else is there, especially or even London. But um, there, there are some times where the Falcons just, can't move the ball because it's like if Pitts can't make the play, no one can. And then Pitts can't get another two targets later on the drive because the drive punted instead of converting the first down. And I think London can get some first downs that maybe actually result in maybe not more targets for Pitts, but 
better field position on the targets that he gets. Like he might be more, more time in possession more often. Keep the drives going, right? Yeah, a little, maybe a little more opportunity in general and probably better field position on the targets he does get. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. And we could be talking uh, by tonight that Marcus Mariota is in the same situation as Mitch Trubisky. What if Atlanta decides to trade up and get Willis right there? They're in the pole position. I think uh, they can- should. They really should. Uh, that, or the Lions, somebody should, of course. Uh, so um, I, I wouldn't expect the Lions to play their rookie over Goff this year. But Mariota, I think Mariota is a lot better than Goff, but it doesn't seem like the Falcons are as uh, half as committed to him as the Lions are to, to Goff, which is odd. Not that the money matters once they're on the roster anyway, but obviously Goff is a 20-plus million player, and whereas Mariota is a, what, $8 million player? And again, yeah, they're, they're on the roster. Much. It doesn't really matter yeah. too much anyway. All right. I'm glad you talked about uh, Alave because pre-draft, I had him as my wide receiver one, and not because I think he has the most upside of all the guys. It's just because pre-draft, when you're forced to rank these guys, I was like, he can't fail. So if I'm doing a draft, I don't want – I don't always need to get the swing-for-the-upside player. I'm happy to get a guy who I'm confident is going to be an every week plug and play. I don't have to think about it starter for the next couple of years. I don't say dynasty 10 years. I say three years. So Alave to me wasn't going to get, um, you know, affected by any system he's in. Like, you know, we'll talk about Jahan Dotson in a minute, who I think I don't love the landing spot there. Uh, we can, I'm going to get your call on that, but uh, Alave would have fit anywhere. So I think that you, you and I are in agreement that London, um, and Alave are in a tier, right? And then you also have um, who was your third guy you had? Oh, and Burks. Traylon Burks. Or, yeah, no, and I agree. So I think those three represent tier one with Alave having the lowest upside of those three, but still tier one. All right, let's move on uh, to a couple of the other receivers. Oh, by the way, number two loser is Lamar Jackson a loser <laughs> losing Hollywood Brown? I guess I would say so. I mean, it's not good to remove a player like Marquise Brown. Some people think Marquise Brown sucks because they only paid attention in like the 10 snaps where he dropped a few passes that one time. But Marquise Brown is definitely a good player. And Lamar was not happy about it. He said that uh, on, on Twitter. I think he, he said pretty much like he didn't, he didn't really like what he was seeing. So his opinion's probably worth something. It's not everything. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a chance the Ravens can redesign this to their benefit and if, if they're going a certain way, I would guess it's that they're trying to bulk up. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see the, the Ravens take in the second round someone like this Ohio State tight end Ruckert or the Washington one, Otten, because Marquise Brown at 165 or whatever cannot be a run blocker. And no. the Ravens want to run. They want to be able to run from every single look. And switching out Brown for someone who's so much as like 185 pounds is a difference on that front. So uh, bulking up and, and making more of a rush threat might be where they're going with that. They got to. They, I feel like they got to add somebody. Like I, I like Bateman enough. I like Devin Duvernay too. But um, I'm, I'm a Marquise Brown fan, and I don't think it's gonna yeah. help. Uh, it's not gonna help Lamar get better by removing Brown. Whatever problems they had had nothing to do with Brown. I think it's all Roman, and uh, it seems like they're blaming everybody else. And I'm just going to use simple logic here. I'm not going to even try to connect too many, uh, you know, algebraic dots here. It's like Marquise Brown is a lid lifter. He makes you, he makes everybody move back further away from the line of scrimmage. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. Now people are going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. That that can't be good for Lamar Jackson. I actually had Lamar Jackson in my redraft ranking as uh, QB two, 
after Josh Allen. Again, just, you know, it's, you know, Herbert probably should be QB2, so Jackson would be two or three. Mahomes down to four. I have to move Lamar Jackson down a little bit now. I have to take Mahomes ahead of him here. So maybe that was how I should have had it in the first place. But I'm as big of a Lamar fan as anybody, and I have basically no hope for him until Greg Roman is fired, which won't happen until apparently John Harbaugh retires because uh, the, the Harbaugh family needs to keep Roman employed, apparently. Uh, but I, I just don't think that he has a, everybody knows the, the plays that the Ravens run before every snap and, uh, good luck with that. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, when it, when that offense was new and firing in all cylinders, it made sense, but now it's, uh, it's predictable. And that's the one thing in the NFL that gives you an edge unpredictability, right? Oh I mean, yeah. And yeah. they, they can't threaten all parts of the field, like you said, by removing Marquise Brown. So they just made themselves more predictable yet. I like Jahan Dotson. I don't like this landing spot. It has to do with Carson Wentz. It has to do with, you know, Terry McLaurin is a good player. Uh, Dotson, you know, maybe he'll, he'll be everything they wanted Curtis Samuel to be. But I'm, you know, I was hoping to move Dotson up the board because I like players like Tyler Lockett, like Steve Smith, you know. But uh, or give me your take now on Dotson, the player, and Dotson with the landing spot. Yeah, I was surprised that he went that high. But it's it's one of those cases where as much as everybody's kind of reflexively goes, oh, that's a reach. I think it's not. I think it's just it's just something we didn't expect. It's not that we it's Mario, it was, It's like when you're in your drafts, in the Superflex drafts, and some Superflex drafts, the quarterbacks go super early. Some go super late. The wide receiver market just got pushed up. You had to play in that, in that pool if you wanted one. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was a little odd having the option to take uh, – they were at the 11th pick, so I guess that's Olave or uh, Jamison Williams – Moving back to take Dotson within such a short, uh, just like five picks or whatever that is, that's pretty surprising. Like we, we would have figured Dotson would have been like at least 15 picks away from those guys. So it's surprising, but it's it's not a pick that I want to criticize exactly because Jahan Dotson seems really good. Like I don't know. It's just inconceivable to me that Jahan Dotson would be anything less than an above average starting NFL receiver. think he could be – uh, I think he could be a better version of Deontay Johnson or something like that. Like they have the same build. Uh, Dotson is fast though. Johnson is quick, but he's not fast. He's got some burst, but he's not fast. Dotson is quick. He's got the burst. He will run away from a defense if they aren't fast. So he's going to be a big play threat. I really like him as a three down starting NFL receiver, but uh, Carson Wentz is awful. No one will be good except maybe McLaurin with Carson Wentz, but I don't, I don't have much optimism for McLaurin either. Yeah. So he definitely qualifies as our number three fantasy loser in a sense where I was hoping to, not that I I don't like him, but I think for fantasy, he's going to now be wide receiver nine, you know, or he'll go, you know, we'll see where some of these other guys land. Like there's, there's, there's a good chance some clearly lesser receiver will end up on a team in the second or third, maybe even fourth round that just has a better quarterback throwing to him. Right. So uh, I, I, I hate it for Dotson. I mean, I, ho- I hope the I hope the pay, the, I hope going 16th overall makes it worth it to him because he's probably in store for a couple miserable years or however long they have Carson Wentz wasting their time. Yeah, like if, for example, let's, you know, let's talk about George Pickens for a moment. I, um, I want to hear where you are on Pickens before he gets drafted. But if he falls to 53 at the Packers, how are you not going to push him up into just below oh tier God. one? Yeah, that would bail them out. They, my one of my losers, my my biggest fantasy loser actually might be. Uh, uh, I like the Lamar one. I forgot about him. I should have mm-hmm. I should have noticed that. But Aaron Rodgers, 
is done, I think, unless the Packers do something that they – if they if they add someone that – I guess a veteran, basically, because as much as I like Pickens – I mean, I, Wolf Fuller's sitting out there, man. Oh, God, they need to get him. Yeah, but and, and I even like Sammy Watkins in a way, but he's – He's a weird guy. You can't really count on him. Uh, he, he might be kind of kooky. Matt, put it this way, Mario. If, if Sammy Watkins wasn't drafted in the top five of the draft year he came out 100 years ago, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Draft capital still makes people think that he I, should. I think uh, Watkins can produce. It's just that he keeps yeah. getting hurt every time. And it, there's no, he might be getting hurt because he's. I don't want to say he's not a hard worker. It seems like he is a hard worker, but he's an eccentric guy who definitely doesn't have the best history. So it's like some some guy who just is obsessed with football and does nothing else but work toward football might have had a little better durability luck than Watkins, but uh, he doesn't, so he didn't, and he won't. And uh, I don't even think he's going to necessarily make the Packers roster because if he can't take a training camp injury at this point in his career. Like if he yeah. gets training camp injury, he's just IR or cut. So um, they can't count on him. And if Alan Lazard is their number one receiver, what you're going to get, not 2021 or 2020 Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get 2019 Aaron Rodgers. The Aaron Rodgers that the Packers saw that led them in the first place to indulge this Jordan Love uh, scenario. And yeah, I think I think Rodgers will be good, clearly. He's still, still clearly a good player. But the, the idea of him being like an MVP caliber producer is just, it's it's done. He won't do it. Uh, unless he plays like three or four more years and they reload next year, it's just done for him. All right. Let me give you a question that I never thought anybody would ever ask uh, uh, in our dynasty leagues right now. Okay. Let's say that the Packers don't do anything. They don't add a veteran. Cause I, you know, there's Jarvis Landry sitting out there. Will Fuller sitting out there. Those would be good additions. Let's just say they go to war with the troops they have. And Miami has that loaded wide receiver core for fantasy football. Who do you want Tua or Aaron Rodgers? I'm asking the question. Yeah, um, even then, gotta go with Rodgers just because. I, I, mean, <laughs> I it's a question though. Yeah, it's not a it's it's not nearly as as unreasonable as I would have felt. You know, certainly even before yesterday, um, it makes you think though, right? It's a good mental exercise to realize, oh my god, I got this elite quarterback that's basically having to run uphill in the snow, and then I have an okay quarterback with a good prospect pre- pedigree that's going to be flying with the wind at his back. Blake Bortles had a, what, 35 touchdown year. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. I, I cannot recommend that anybody take to a tongue of Iloa or Aaron Rodgers, but I guess I can't tell them not to as much as I right. thought I could have. But the good thing is, gaming out drafts you don't have to all you have to do is in super flex or let's just use one qb because a lot of people play one qb still it means that in the ninth round when you were going to take rogers you don't have to you could take chase edmonds or whatever you know rookie wide receiver you like that's sitting there and then two rounds later get to it so if you have a good you know there's a player in round eight or round nine where rogers is going currently in one qb it's and he's the last of the qb ones it's reasonable to pass in hopes to play that, you know, it, it, to get an undervalued Tua and back him up with another player. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, definitely. In in practice, I am probably more likely to end up with Tua for that exact reason because I'm not going to be the person who feels okay about Rodgers in whatever the ninth round. So if Tua in the 12th is my alternative, I'm probably taking him there, even though I'm not exactly excited about that either. Everybody knows Mario Puig from Rotowire. I'm Alan Soslowski. We're here on the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every 
uh, Friday, Mario and his podcast partner, John McKechnie, put out another uh, off-season podcast episode every Wednesday or Thursday. So subscribe to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast feed. We're getting you more off-season fantasy football content than ever. And if you like, uh, if you want to see our Superflex rankings and our Dynasty rankings, you could do so now for free. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. All right, Mario, the next loser on my list is A.J. Brown. Not because he's not a top 10 wide receiver in dynasty fantasy football. It's because I currently had him as the wide receiver three or four. And now I've had to move him down to about eight or nine, which again, at the top is a significant downgrade. Where are you going to be on AJ Brown for fantasy football? It's tough because, um, man, I am, I am not a Jalen hurts fan exactly as a passer. I don't, I don't think he's very good. But I'm definitely not a Ryan Tannehill fan either. Tannehill is a complete fraud, in my opinion. And I think A.J. Brown is the only reason that anyone thinks otherwise. So as much as I'm not inclined to, to take the dive with Hurts there, I'm not, I'm not deterred as much as I, I thought I might be. And I guess the, the, the other thing is, uh, for, for me, it's actually the bigger issue is Devontae Smith's presence being there already. And um, especially with with Hertz only able to provide so much volume as a passer, uh, the the pie might not be very big, and there is more competition for Brown than it, there was in Tennessee. So I have to agree that it's a downgrade, and it is tough for me to think through where he should be. It was easy to think it through in Tennessee. It was like, yeah, maybe he doesn't get you that many, um, you know, twelve target games or whatever, but he'll get you some 10 target games. And in most games, he's going to give you 10 plus yards of target or something like that. And occasionally, of course, he can just completely take over a game that will still happen. We just might have even more yet of the cold stretches that he occasionally saw with the Titans. You know, when they, when they weren't throwing the ball more than 22 times in a game, he would get pinched. And now it's like you run that same risk of, of the Eagles running only 20 or 25 pass attempts and uh, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard are getting a higher share than, than his competition in Tennessee, which, it was like Tajay Sharp a couple of years ago or something, you know? All right, so let's play the age game for um, for fantasy football dynasty rankings. Would you rather have A.J. Brown right now with, you know, age 24 in his current situation where he's going to have, you know, more competition for targets and, like you said, not an optimal passer? He's got a running quarterback, which sometimes the running quarterback takes off. Uh, there's less pass attempts per game. So would you rather have A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf Right now, DK Metcalf, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. He's been dropping like a stone in these drafts. So I have DK around uh, wide receiver 12 right now. So which one of those two players do you want from a dynasty outlook? Yeah, I'll say AJ Brown. He just seems to be no disrespect to Metcalf. Of course, he's awesome. But I think Brown is a better player, a little more complete as a receiver. Uh, He doesn't have quite as much of a durability history, actually, as Metcalf. I know Brown's the one who's been getting hurt lately, but... Metcalf barely played at Mississippi because he had a neck injury and a foot injury. And I wouldn't be surprised if especially the foot had something to do with him falling as far as he did in the draft uh, going in the very late second round. So um, I I think there's a little bit more durability security with Brown, believe it or not. And I I definitely think um, as much as Hertz is not a great passer, I trust the Eagles more than I do the Seahawks right now. And I, I definitely prefer Hertz also over someone like Drew Locke or Geno Smith. And I guess we'll see if the Seahawks get someone like Sam Howell or, or, you know, any of the quarterbacks, I guess. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, well, by the um, way, now I think it's starting to become underrated because if you're going to be able to presumably get Baker Mayfield for a fourth or fifth round pick in this draft, I mean, you have to take on the contract. So, and the Browns, the, I think I they're going to have to cut him. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that's why you, you can get him for a fifth rounder because you're going to have to cut him. But also Deshaun Watson, let's, I, I've been uh, on record as saying Deshaun Watson, they're going to come heavy with him. They're going to, they're going to come with a full season suspension, but they'll be able to negotiate. This is just my opinion. Based on you know whatever everyone knows, this is this is no proprietary information here. And then they're going to get it down to an eight game. So I'm expecting Deshaun Watson to miss eight games. The Browns Super Bowl window is open. I'm not so sure that they want to go two and six with Jacoby Brissett. I think that at least if they keep Baker on the roster and can go four and four, that at least sets them up for when Deshaun Watson comes back. So that would be a very interesting dynamic because imagine Baker goes six and two. So either they're going to trade him for you know a fourth or fifth round pick. But I think there's a chance they hold them. Uh, if they hold them, I think it's going to have to be in the way that the Eagles held Terrell Owens for the last six games or whatever they had him. Because <laughs> Mayfield's a problem. I mean, he's he's bad for a team. He's no good. He's a bad player, and he makes the team politically problematic because he's a saboteur in the locker room. So uh, they're going to get rid of him one way or another. And I think because he's a bad player with a bad attitude who thinks he's good even though he sucks – He's going to get cut because there's no market for him, especially when Garoppolo's out there. Not that I'm a Garoppolo fan, but Garoppolo's not going to make the whole team hate him. Like that's not a risk with him. So yeah. uh, he's not going to he's not going to go to the media and complain all the time about how his coach isn't fair to him. So Baker Mayfield is a whiner. No one is on his side. I don't think there's a market for him. Uh, I think they'll cut him, and I'm not convinced he'll get signed even after that. So you're saying that uh, you don't see a team giving up a fifth, even a sixth rounder for him. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think because because the, the contract, yeah, it's like they're, they're it's it's a burden to have him on your team on that contract. I think they need that contract terminated. Right, the contract only is one more year though. So if you were a team, so you know you you talk about the Panthers. That's where he's been most connected to Baker Mayfield. That sounds and, right to me. Yeah, right. And they they need to win. I mean, there's no. It's been a common narrative that if Matt Rule has another four six win season, he's going to be the you know, he's going to be on the lead story on ESPN every day about the hot seat. He, who the heck wants that? Nobody wants that. They need to make the playoffs or at least go 500 or a game above 500 to, for him to, to not be on that hot seat. So Baker Mayfield, it depends on what your evaluation is him versus Sam Darnold. So we could see him go there. All right. That that's going to be an interesting one to watch there. All right. I just want to give you one more AJ Brown. Uh, Cause I know you're a little bit more of a sober ranker than I am when it comes to age. You don't, take age into account as heavy as I do. I might just not be good enough at it. <laughs> I, I see. I disagree with you because I have come more towards you after looking at your rankings because I said, wait a second here. You know, am I getting too, too much of becoming too much of a dynasty bro? Got to, got to pass on Cooper cup for T Higgins. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not good business if you want to win dynasty fantasy football championships. So here's my question for you. Um, Stefan Diggs, a little bit older player, is going to be 28 or 29, but signed a four-year extension. He's locked in for two or three more seasons. W how do you juxtapose him with A.J. Brown with his new situation? I definitely prefer Diggs in fantasy, and uh, I think they're about as good as each other in real-life terms, and it's just as simple as the Bills are going to throw a lot, and Josh Allen will get them in scoring range a lot. So Diggs, I think, as much as I, th I think I've been ranked uh, – Third among receivers ahead of Cooper Cup, who's in the same tier with, with him. Are you talking about Jeff redraft or dynasty? 
dynasty. Uh-huh. And, See, that's uh, where that's where our rankings differ. Like I have Diggs at ten and Cooper at seven, but that's because I pushed up C.D. Lamb, got uh, Debo Samuel. You know, the 25, 26 year olds, twenty four year olds. Yeah, I I think um, Diggs is just the, the thing about dynasty for me is like I don't really have a hard opinion on the the ranking of those guys. I, I'm more likely than in redraft to kind of punt on certain questions and, and approach things from tiers and maybe a little more generous with some of the tiers. Like maybe the tiers are a little bigger than, than in redraft where maybe I, I decide I, I want to take a specific angle more. So uh, with, with the future is so hard to tell, I'm less likely to, to take a stance, you know? So I kind of say Jefferson, Chase, Diggs, Cup, sure, whoever, take any of them. I don't really care. And uh, that's that's how I feel about Diggs. I mean, if, as much as I, I I would take Chase and Jefferson and not Cup, but uh, Jefferson and Chase. How about CD? You put him up there? Uh, he's close, but I have him in the next tier with AJ Brown and like Tyreek and Debo and Jalen Waddle and all those guys. T Higgins. Um, but uh, if someone did prefer Diggs over Jefferson or Chase, even in Dynasty, it's not, I wouldn't see the reason to tell them they're wrong. Exactly. It's like for all I know, they're right. Uh, if Allen and Diggs play six more years together and they're, you know, all pro contenders the whole time, Diggs could be the number one receiver in fantasy over that sample. So uh, he, he's still hot and he's got, I think, at least, you know, three or four more years as a top tier receiver playing with a top tier quarterback. So, uh, you know, he could do a lot worse. As a New York Jet fan, I've become comfortable with people telling me how, how embarrassing it is to be a Jet fan. I'm not I'm actually uncomfortable with all of the praise the Jets are getting for this yeah. draft. I mean, it's it's warranted praise. They did they did well. They got good players. You know, we'll see how they turn out. That move up to get Johnson was was, you know, it seems like a savvy move. You know, we'll see how, how it goes. Never can tell. But just from fantasy football, I don't like the addition of Garrett Wilson for Elijah Moore, whereas I would have liked it had they got Drake London. Explain to me how the dichotomy, because you know Garrett Wilson. I, I liked your breakdown of him. So how is that going to fit in with Zach Wilson and the other wide receivers they have right there? Is this the right fit for football? And is and how does that parse out for fantasy football? It's tough because you can't, Garrett Wilson is definitely a really good prospect. And we can't really tell the Jets they shouldn't take a really good prospect. They, they certainly need them. But you're right, it's not a good spot at all to get the most out of. I don't think it's the best spot for Wilson. Uh, as you said, it could be a compounding concern for more. I'm higher on more than most people and lower on Wilson than most people, so I'm not convinced that Wilson uh, outplays Elijah Moore at any point, and especially not as a rookie. But more than that question, I'm, I'm bogged down in the Zach Wilson issue, and I, I don't know, I, 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 I can't really – hold last season against Wilson too much. I mean, he's an underclassman rookie on a ridiculous well, team. The only, uh, Mario, I don't, I don't like to ever cut you off, but the only reason I want you to work this in is that I'm worried about Zach Wilson is because Mike White produced in a small sample. And Josh Johnson. Right. Um, so, so but yeah, that, that is not uh, that is not good to see, definitely. And I was lower on Wilson than most people coming in, so I'm not inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt. But – it is a little different, you know. It's like if he, a thirty-year-old, thirty-two-year-old journeyman like Johnson, like of course he's not going to be a good player over a long sample. But he's been in so many practices, you know. He's run so many scout team reps. He should outplay a twenty-one-year-old rookie who was playing at BYU. Um, Mike White too. I mean, he was he was a four. Uh, he was a, like a fifth, a five-year player in college. I'm pretty sure between South Florida and Western Kentucky, and then he's bouncing around in practice squads for a couple of years. Like those guys should being 
multi-year pros be able to outplay a 21 year old who's you know just out of the mountain west but uh you're right it's not great I, w- I would have liked to have seen wilson play better i would have liked to seen more of elijah moore's big games to have happened with wilson on the field because most of them didn't uh happen with wilson on the field but uh again because he was a rookie and there was so much weird stuff going on i can't in good faith criticize wilson much or hold him to too much over it i'm i'm still skeptical of him but it just has to do with my prior prospect evaluation so um so i'm that, not the that person said, who, that said though uh i want uh, is elijah Moore a loser in this it can't be good in my opinion just because garrett wilson will probably be a good starting receiver at some point and if you're elijah Moore, or, or if you're an elijah Moore fantasy investor you would much rather see a Keelan Cole on the field because that, that he's getting some targets, but not nearly as many as Garrett Wilson. So I, I think I still am more optimistic on Elijah more than most people, especially at this point, just because a lot of people I, I would imagine are kind of panicking over Garrett Wilson. I think Wilson investors are the ones who need to be concerned, especially for this year. Maybe he catches up to more after that, but I just happen to think more probably should have gone higher in the last draft. And I think Wilson is a little bit overrated. Uh, but they have a lot of the same things going for them. I mean, they're both kind of smallish, but they're both, uh, I think it was a 4-3-7. Garrett Wilson was a 4-3-7, and, and Elijah Moore ran at a pro day, a 4-3-6 or a 4-3-7. They're both barely, you know, 180 pounds. So they 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 are redundant to each other, and, and that is a little concerning to me. But, you know, it's it's Davis for whatever – Corey Davis for what it's worth is, uh, I think, gone after this year. Like, their con- the contract was they, they funny get money. Out. It was a two-year deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's he's done after this year. And, and aesthetically, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are so different that you still worry about them maybe getting another bigger receiver. But whoever they get won't be paid as much as Davis and probably won't be as good. Yeah, that's an interesting case right there. So, for dynasty fantasy football, Elijah Moore, prospect, 22, just had his value depressed perce- you know, by perception, or someone like an all-timer, a 29-year-old Mike Evans for Dynasty. I have them back-to-back in my rankings, and I think I need to make an adjustment there. <sighs> for this year, Evans is you know, set to torch pretty much. He could, he could be like a top three receiver this year or yeah, something. I, I have him as my wide receiver seven in redraft, but in dynasty, I put, I right now, I think I'm too low on him. I have him as wide receiver 18. I think I need to push him up a little bit. Evans is a rare freak athlete. So he could age pretty well. Like he came into the league, uh, 230 pounds running the four five three. So, uh, if, if in his older age, he's only running a four six or a four six five at 230 pounds with his skills and there's a lot of skills there too it's not like he just uh outruns and out jumps everybody he's a really good technical receiver um as long as his durability holds up i think evans could be a top level starting receiver uh, at least another four years okay we're talking about dynasty losers today players that either are going to lose value before the, uh, the compared to what they had in the first round, or are going to drop in ADP. Now, I have um, I've heard both sides of the coin for Amon Ross St. Brown. We knew that a four, I mean, a fourth round receiver, they're always going to bring one in above you. They're always going to go get a first or a second round receiver. You have almost no chance over the course of two seasons of getting a receiver that's not drafted above you when you're a fourth round wide receiver. Now we could argue that Amon Ross St. Brown maybe was a great value, probably should have gone in the second or third round, but he didn't. He went in round four. Does the, uh, the addition of Williams, does this make Amon Ross St. Brown a fantasy loser? Or is this one of those situations where it's actually going to work better when the two of them are together? 
Yeah, I think that um, draft capital is, of course, important, uh, especially when you're going into the the rookie seasons when you you don't have that that NFL rookie year data sample to to, to further you know sharpen your rankings. Um, I think St. Brown should be thought of as as a Sorry, let me back up. To me, the the draft capital thing, the significance of it is is the institutional investment of the team in that player. You know, like and supposedly, team... doesn't draft capital have everything baked into it? It has their scouting reports. It has the forty times. See, see, th- th- that that assumes like infallibility on the part of the the evaluators, which I I I think is insane. I don't under <laughs> like these are some of the dumbest people in the world. I don't know why you would defer your own judgment to these people. The only reason draft capital matters to me is the institutional incentive because uh, the team itself, the front office actors, maybe the owner, uh, like they're they're once they put a certain amount of money into a player, into acquiring that player, they need to make that player a certain level of productive to justify their actions, or else people start saying, "Hey, why'd you do that?" And then they the, have same, to like, the same way I didn't we know do what it. I was doing. Yeah, and the so same they, way so, we do in our own drafts, right? Like yeah. <laughs> when you in fantasy football, when you're when your third round pick doesn't fire. You're not dropping that guy. You're going to wait and wait and wait. You're like, oh yeah. my God. You know, whereas, you know, James Connor last year was going in the second round of redraft leagues. You're like, I mean, sorry, the year before when he didn't, when he didn't do well. You know, I mean, this year, you know, if, or in, in another situation, if you have an eighth round pick, 10th round pick, doesn't do well in week one, week two, cut. So get back to your, you know, your, what you were saying there about draft capital and Amon Ra versus Jameson Williams. Right. So, uh, it's the again the institutional investment that I care about, and I think when you're the in a position like the Lions, their investment now is in St. Brown, and and it's it's not just that. Uh, in his case, the, however much draft capital might matter in terms of uh, whatever, like a uh, what is the word, um, an analog for uh, talent and, and everything else we can just look at that draft, right. And see that that clearly doesn't apply here because we saw Tutu Atwell go in the second round. We saw Josh Palmer who he'll be fine better than Atwell. Uh, he went in the third round. Des Fitzpatrick went in the fourth round ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. So it's just none of those three teams would take those players over St. Brown. If we did this again. And if we redrafted again, Amon Ross St. Brown would be a late first round pick in, or an early second round. At the pick. very least early right. second round. Yeah. Right. So it's just, if you, if anybody's looking at St. Brown and panicking because they see four next to his name, just run the same thought experiment with a two, if you really must. And then if you, if you're still terrified, then fine, fade him. But if that's all it's hinging on, that's insane to me. Um, but more than Jameson Williams, I think that the St. Brown complication is Hawkinson because Hawkinson wasn't playing when St. Brown had his biggest games. They and run Swift the was out too. Swift was out, Swift was out too a lot. They so Hawkinson and St. Brown both run in the same parts of the field. Hawkinson's going to be at tight end, maybe a slot. St. Brown is almost always going to be in the slot, be it on the same side or the other side. They're going to be running in the same parts of the field. I happen to think that St. Brown was so convincing, and and I thought he was convincing at USC too. So it's it's uh, I'm that much more willing to just kind of dive in, I guess. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He's become the new institutional interest of the Lions, or am- among them anyway. They're going to treat him as if he's a second or first round pick because he may as well have been. They stumbled onto one and got a freebie. So they're going to act that way. And I think they're going to design functions separately enough for Hawkinson and St. Brown that you're not going to see St. Brown putting up, you know, the wide receiver two overall numbers or whatever he did in the last six weeks last year. But I do think he'll be safely, you know, a a starting fantasy receiver you're glad to have, uh, assuming assuming you didn't take him in like the fourth round or something like that. Are you, uh, I just want to ask you about some, uh, Evan Neal, the offensive lineman from Alabama. Uh, it's, was he a highly rated prospect in your eyes? Is he like a legitimate five-year NFL starter? Yeah, I think Neal, I mean, they're looking at him at right tackle with the Giants. I thought he would have been fine at left tackle. Uh, he's a really big guy, 6'8", 3'30", something like that. Oh, he's a mauler uh, then, huh? He's a mauler. Rose yeah, um, I, I think he's I think he's got a little finesse to him too. I mean, he's um he's he's not like a burly guy, you know, for his height, he's not hulking. He looked kind of skinny at a glance, and he's definitely not. Uh, but 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 there's there's another type of tackle who at his build would be more like 350 pounds or something like that, and he's only like 335. Um, in any case, Andrew Thomas was already doing a lot better at left tackle last year, so Neil I think could give the Giants just even this year one of the best tackle tandems in the league. And I, I know people were really low on on Thomas after his rookie year, but um, I I think it was a harsh judgment too soon, especially for an underclassman tackle. Tackle takes some time. To, to adjust to especially if you're 22 or less it's like those those 21 year old tackles uh you know they're gonna be like 10 15 pounds heavier in a couple of years than they are now they're gonna know a lot more than they know now it's it's tough as a rookie underclassman to be good as a tackle and you saw the growth with thomas last year i think he's gonna keep getting better so neil if he can be he's, he's a four-year player he's not an underclassman so i think he'll start a little better than thomas did as a rookie and um, I, I believe in Brian Dable, so I like the way the Giants are yeah. generally shaping up despite some of the weird stuff with Tony. Yeah, the, the reason I asked about Neil specifically out of, like, nowhere is because I'm trying to decide if Saquon Barkley is a winner or a loser in fantasy this year. <sighs> it's, it helps, and I, I think Barkley's going to be good wherever he's playing. I just kind of have, like, a, a, a little bit of a concern that the Giants aren't committed to him. But as long as they don't move him before – this season they're going to have an interest in making him productive if only so they can keep his market at at a point where they can trade him or if they let him walk or whatever then they might get like a third round comp pick something like that so 
I still believe in Barkley. Like I think I think there was a little bit of myth around him as a prospect. You know that I was not as high on a player like Barkley as I was on players like Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor because I, I, I well I just like running backs more than most people I guess. But I I, I have seen uh, you know a lot of runners over the years and that vision element was never there with Barkley like it was the other ones. He was all athleticism, you know, and very good athlete athlete. Uh, when there's openings on the field, he can run away from anybody, and he's he's a terror in the open field, of course. But he can't see the way there a lot of the times. So with the Giants, the past few years with Garrett and Judge, he just couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't make anything happen when there wasn't room created for him. I think there's going to be room now, both because of the offensive line being a little better, and especially Dable being there. Like I think I think Dable is just the antithesis of Jason Garrett and Joe Judge. So I think. Even Daniel Jones, I'm somehow getting optimistic for. Like, I just, I just think this team is clearly going to get much better as an offense. And if Barkley's playing, he's he's going up with that tide too. Yeah, I, it's interesting that the team declined the fifth year option on Daniel Jones, probably smartly. You know, I, I think that the Giants could be a sneaky team to take a quarterback in this next round. I mean, unlike, true. you know, I mean, if Desmond Ritter's there, they decline the fifth year option. Now, what I also read is that the Giants can rescind. Uh, they can still give him the fifth-year option after the draft. And at very least, if Daniel Jones shows out this year, they could franchise tag him too. So that's a situation where you have the fifth year working for you. You're not committed, but you could decide at the end of the year. So it, it, there's a lot of different ways that the Giants uh, could fall. All right, Mario, since we're coming to the end here, I want and we're talking about fantasy losers today, May, tell me what happens in the second round that causes a player that we like to become a fantasy loser. So take a look at the board while I'm killing some time here. And what wide receiver goes to a certain team? What running back goes to a certain team and takes a player that we like in fantasy football? And we're talking next week on this podcast or whenever we're saying, hey, in round two, this player became a fantasy loser. Who is it? Yeah, it's tough for me to think of a receiver exactly. I, I just, by the way, we never really got to George Pickens. I am very high on George Pickens. I think the criticisms against him read as just gibberish. Um, there's these character concerns you're hearing, and it's basically that he gets in fights a lot on the field. And it's like, have you people seen Aaron Donald play football? Like, have you seen Steve Smith or Akib Talib play football? Like, give me a break. George right. Pickens, I think, is, is, if he's not some sort of, like, you know, person who – I don't know, beats animals or something, then it's fine. He, like I, I won't be sh- violent. Right. Like I, I won't be surprised if Pickens is the first pick of um uh, well the Jaguars traded out. I thought the Jaguars the Jaguars blew it. They needed yeah. Pickens. Trent Balfe's yeah. an idiot. Yeah, um, we, we know your feelings on that. So <laughs> so who is it? So it where does Sky Moore go? Where does George Pickens go? Like where are the spots where they land? Where does either of the two running backs walk? They both might them? end up the both Sky Moore and George Pickens might end up with the Bears, and I think that would be fine for both of them. I, th- I think both of them project as like complementary guys anyway. So I don't think they're gonna really take out any of our favorites wherever they go. It's running back and, and I guess quarterback too. You know, you're talking about Mariota before. Uh, it seems like a guy like Goff is safe, but maybe Daniel Jones isn't safe. So quarterbacks could could ruin some of our early best ball picks. And more so yet, running back could be a place where people get mad because uh, you got people who are already invested in, especially Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, but it's possible one or both of them go to a team that 
puts them in a bit of a rotation, you know? Um, yeah, the, so Jet, if, the Jets would be the prime example. Either Walker or Brees Hall go to the Jets. Michael Carter's not going away. It just is going to, you know, he's going to be. Yeah, getting and I, actually, I would actually be kind of interested at that point because I can imagine people panicking, interested in bo- both uh, the running back drafted and Carter because I think there's room for both in a good offense. Maybe the Jets don't have a good offense, but that's that's a separate issue. You see people more so panic about just, you can't have two running backs on the same team. It's like, well, if one is only getting eight carries and three catches, then yeah, you can have a right. second running back. And Brees Hall would be great in that scenario. They could, If they're any good as an offense, those two can definitely coexist in my opinion. They could be Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, they were both yeah. productive. You were very happy when you took uh, Nick Chubb on the 2-3 turn in redraft leagues last year. And while Kareem Hunt was a fifth and sixth round pick and he was healthy, he was a startable fantasy player every week. You just put him in there and you got your 13, 14 points. It, it worked out. So I, I think that the, the obvious opportunity, just volume, is going to be with Houston. That's a sweet spot right there in the early second round. I'd be happy. Uh, and, you know, the NFL seems to like Isaiah Spiller. You know, I mean, he could end up being the Buffalo running back. Yeah, in, we'll in the, see. I don't know about that. All right, one. give me your Spiller take real quick because he could end He's up fine. He could yeah. end up crushing Devin Singletary's value if they get him at pick 57. Yeah, anyone can crush Devin Singletary's value. But, he was good uh, down the stretch, Mario. He was good. It's it's a it's an easy easy role that he's playing, and and the Bills, uh, if they ever need him to make a play, will all of a sudden be like, oh, huh, whoops. Right. Um, but anyway, um, let me see. Uh, so yeah, we're Spiller, this is, we're, Spiller is there's. I know Doug Kayed, a Northeastern reporter, was saying that the NFL was high on Spiller, and I, he's 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 cool, he's solid, but I just think there's smoke, you know. That, Everybody was everybody in media was hearing from the Jets the past few days about how they were going to take Jermaine Johnson in the top seven. And they ended up taking him later, of course. But media was saying Jermaine Johnson in the top ten for a reason. It was being put out there, and reporters believed it, even though it wasn't true. I'm not saying it's definitely the case with Spiller. But what I will say is there's nothing, no precedent whatsoever, really, to justify him as a clear like second-round pick, and especially not as there's talk about him getting in the late first or something. No way. Uh, I'm not convinced Spiller is even one of the first four running backs drafted. I think um, Kenneth Walker will definitely go ahead of him. I think Zemir White. I think James Cook will go ahead of him. Zemir White could go ahead of him. Uh, By the way, James Cook and the Bills is one I would watch, especially maybe it's reading into it too much, but after they targeted McKissick, it wouldn't be shocking if Brandon Bean said like, hey, we need a pass catcher at running back. And James Cook, I don't think is very good, but he can catch passes. Yeah. So, did you come up with your fantasy loser? Did we? Did you say it yet? Um, so oh, in the me, second round, I, I think um, who would it be? I, I it's would be say, some running back. I don't know who. But. Yeah. So it could be Michael Carter because Michael Carter, even though we like the tandem there right now, he's like RB eighteen, RB twenty. He probably is more like RB twenty seven. You know, where you're you're not expecting consistent production. You want to pick your spots if Bruce yeah. Hall lands there. I, I think that the next one to be on the chopping block like tomorrow we're going to be talking about or tonight uh marcus mariota is a dead man walking for fantasy football i think that they take a quarterback in round two no matter what even if it's matt corral who i know you're not so hot on but he's still in the second round you're like it's all upside there yeah um and it at running back i guess if i had to pick teams that could take one in the second round it wouldn't shock me if arizona did after losing chase Edmonds. so kenneth walker going there would make a lot of people mad probably (laughs) <laughs> uh, for James Conner. Um, and there'll be good running backs in the third round, too. The Damian Pierce types will be available in the third round. I really like Kevin uh, oh. Kevin Harris. <laughs> forgetting his name. Kevin, Kevin Harris. Harris from South Carolina, yeah. yeah. Um, I, no indication that he's going in the first three rounds or anything, but in my opinion, he's well, clearly better than someone like Spiller. 
Yep. And certainly oh, yeah. James Cook and Zamir White. So, so uh, Scott in the chat said Drew Locke is a dead man walking. E- yeah, I-, I think he was dead man walking before the draft. So that's a great. Yeah, I don't know right if now. he can beat out Geno Smith, let alone <laughs> exactly. anybody they draft. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mario, you did it again. He's Mario Puig on Twitter. It's what at uh, what's the, your the posting your, scout? The posting scout on Twitter, yeah. and then I want you to go over to Rotowire right now. You get ten days free. Just look at all of Mario's content, his mock draft. I mean, if a lot of it he posts for free. But we need to start getting some of that behind the paywall. It's too good. Like we do not- after the once we get to like the summer, we put more because it, it's you know you gotta you gotta stay in the thick of it with with all the noise of the draft. But once yeah. once um, people start going to their bunkers, we we put more things behind the lock. But right now, what you could do is you can get Rotowire for ten days free. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. You don't need a credit card. You just put in your email, and you can see all of our Superflex dynasty rankings. Mario does our single QB dynasty rankings. When are you gonna smooth those out? You're gonna get those in shape after the draft. I'm going to start adding the rookies to the dyna- uh, the the rookies who have been drafted uh, oh, as you the- go. So maybe yeah, because I-, I just I if I made the rankings before they were drafted, it, it takes so damn long to remake. No, them me too. I'm doing them like I I I put Pickett in there. Um, um, today, um, you know, I I put them you know right in the Tua range, you know. But after the draft, I try to every year try to get like. So I post the, the final pre-draft dynasty rookie rankings, and I try to get the post-draft up pretty much as soon as I can. Uh, so that'll be the first thing. Uh, that might be behind paywall. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, all right. And, oh, one more prediction, then I'm gonna, we're going to really get out of here. Who's uh, Tampa Bay going to take? They're, they are their, pick, their first pick of the next round, right? So apparently, who are they gonna... apparently they were looking around the Colorado State tight end, Trey McBride. Yeah, that's a good um, pick. I, I like that. I mean, he um, – he he was a fringe first rounder by in some mocks, but he fell out of there. And they they need a tight end. Gronk has not committed to coming back yet. You know, it's like they need they're going into the season in a Super Bowl window with Cameron Brate. You know, Brady. Everyone assumes he's retiring this year. It could be two more seasons. It could be eight yeah, more seasons. McBride puts a little less pressure on maybe. Uh, well, I guess they signed Russell Gage to play a lot of slot snaps, yeah. but uh, McBride can give them like some slot looks that they if they want to keep uh, another tight end on the field and give Godwin a break or, or ease uh, ease Godwin back in, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think McBride was, I thought he was going to go to the Jags when they traded up at 27, but uh, 33, not long afterward, it seems like he'll go off the board. And anyone that's listening to this podcast, this video stream knows that OJ Howard is no longer on the roster. He's on with the Buffalo Bills. So they are a little thin at tight end. All right. I'm Alan Sislowski at Alan Sislowski on Twitter. He's Mario Puig. You know, uh, you, everyone always fo- uh, is already following Mario over there. Go to uh, rotowire.com forward slash try. Get Rotowire for 10 days. And we'll be back next week with a, another fantasy football dynasty podcast. I'm actually going to have John on the show, John McKechnie, your broadcasting partner. All right, everybody. We'll see you back next week with another dynasty fantasy football podcast. Don't, 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 don't,